No Block No Rock, season two. Uh, nut, kick, nut kicked for the ninth time. I mean, episode nine. Yeah. <laughs> DeWarne. <laughs> it's true, man. It's Shit. true. Uh, so, our listeners, uh, once again, we have a special guest with us to discuss this Nebraska loss to Minnesota, 30 to 23. He, he's making a face right now. He's like, mm mm mm. DeMorne, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you uh, maybe hopefully getting some things off your chest or, you know, hot takes, cold takes, whatever you got, man. We appreciate it. Got you. No problem. <laughs> I appreciate y'all for having me. Um, so you're currently in, in Colorado. Where, where are you at? What you doing right now? Where am I at or, like, where am I supposed to be at? Which one? Uh, <laughs> whatever you want people to know. Yeah, whatever, you, <laughs> whatever gets you not in trouble. Right. <laughs> I'm in Denver, Colorado right now. Uh, I'm just okay. chilling right now. It's an off day. So, you know, just making sure my body is right, you know, recovering and whatnot, just laying low. Okay. So this, this 30 to 23, one score loss at Minnesota. It's familiar, isn't it? <laughs> you know, I hate to say same old movie because it's just, which sequel? I don't know. How many sequels have we had? Uh, you know the number? Off it, top? It's uh, running. I mean, what is he like uh, 14 and 30 or something? Can God, you call dude. it a sequel if it's the same movie every time? <laughs> Well, it's it's just a reboot. It's a reboot. Yeah. It's a Hollywood reboot where they do the same shot, shot for shot remake. You know, it's just the same thing. Um, the actors are the actors are older and whatnot, and they got the new people coming in and trying to do the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. It, heard it all before, seen it all before. They they recast it, but it's it's all the same plug and play, plug and lose. You know. Yikes. Well, it is kind of, I mean, that is like 2020, 2021. Like they've been like rebooting all these, these movies and TV shows constantly where it's like, Hey, that had a good ending. Let it, let it go. Mm. But Nebraska is the reboot. It's just, it's like every sequel that you didn't want to see, we're seeing every Saturday. <laughs> it, it's rough. It's the Frankenstein. You can't kill. You can't <laughs> kill this Frankenstein. Okay. So like just jumping into this, right? I think, one of the big narratives coming out of this loss is just the inability to get up for a game, right? Like you heard like it, oh, the bye week's coming up. Um, you know, we, our guys got to be on. We just got to give it all we got for this game because we have a bye week next. But then you see that first drive and it's just immediate right away that there's nothing there. There's no juice. And you know, comments after the game coming from Ken Taylor Britt even said himself, it just didn't look like guys were, were ready to play. I, we had to wake them up at halftime or something. I mean, come on. What time? What time? The, the game, the, the game was early, wasn't it? It was at 11. Mm -hmm. Please tell me when, please tell me at whatever, whenever we play at 11, do we start off good? Never. I mean, and that that's just, that just, exactly. So I mean that that's that under the Bow era, under Riley era, the Froster, it's the same thing. Games ah, first half's going to be a little rough. You saying that as a former player who put on the pads at a Power Five level? I mean, how tough is it to? You know, I don't want to like come up with excuses because look, the other team has to do the same thing, right? I mean, they got to get up at eleven as right. well. You know, but. 
let's let's put on your cleats for a second. Your approach to an 11 a.m. game, or like, did you always feel up for it at 11? Be honest. Um, sometimes I did. Some, sometimes I did. Sometimes I didn't. Um, it's just one of those things. Like, I mean, it's like people get up and go to work every morning, and just people stop and get their coffee, and it's like they don't have their coffee. Yeah, don't talk to me this morning. It's like one of them type of. It's one of them type of things. Like it's, it's irritating and frustrating, but I mean. It just sometimes it happens like that. And I mean, other programs are different. Other people are different or more excited. Um, it'd be different. I'd probably say a little bit if people were, I guess you could say, more consistent on a winning basis or whatnot. But I mean, even still, you, you're you going to come out flat. Um, it takes a little bit for things to get going. Um, and you just can't necessarily have that sometimes. But I mean, it's now what to do to fix that. Can't tell you because everybody's different. Everybody's got to be on one page, and quite frankly, things haven't been on the same page. So there you have it. Okay. Well, the the thing that just gets to me as a as a fan, right? You hear about PJ Fleck. People don't like the guy, right? They always talk smack on him. Nebraska fans did it on Twitter. Um, he's punked Nebraska the past couple of years. Hasn't been pretty. And how many how many games do you get a year? I mean, you get 12 opportunities, 12 of these things. And yep. it's just, it just seems like there's always an excuse. Like I, guys weren't able to get up. Uh, we didn't have enough juice. And it's just at this point, you're trying to make a bowl. This should be a freaking win. And it's just, you can't, you can't show up and play. I don't know. As a fan, it's just concerning that this is just another, another notch in the, in the, in the tally mark, you know what I mean? It's just, it's just annoying to me. So, DeMorne, being a former player and kind of going through, uh, you mean you had some successful seasons, you played on some teams that weren't as great. Can you talk about the mentality going into a game where maybe you are the superior team, but maybe you stumbled against a team that you shouldn't lose to? Um, it happens. Um, week in and week out, you got to prepare. You got to come ready to for a battle um it's the big 10 uh there's not really any easy slack games because anybody can be david on any given weekend i mean ohio state has lost um so i mean it, it doesn't matter about that but i mean it's with preparation and whatnot um and you can't overlook every opponent just because they, you're supposed to beat them or whatnot i mean they still got to put on their pads and still play whoever's the more fundamentally sound team will win Whoever um, makes more plays than the other team, whoever doesn't turn over the ball, and whoever capitalizes um, on in either two or all three phases of the game should win. And, I mean, if you don't do necessarily the little things to take care of the big things, then, I mean, it, it will turn into a loss. And, I mean, that, and that's some of the things that they haven't been doing. They haven't played a solid, complete game. Uh, from I mean, some games the defense play better. Some games the offense uh, does well. Special teams is up and down. So I mean, what do you expect? Uh, it's an emotion. It's an emotional roller coaster each and every week. And I mean, they know that. Um, and they tired of it. They sick of it. It's the same thing week in and week out. You got to answer the same hard questions over and over again. People are just going through emotions, and um, you got to kind of find out how to get out of that necessarily and reestablish stuff. And re get really excited about things and go out there and make it one play at a time. They had the ability to, I mean, how do you go from playing Michigan the way you do 
right. to coming in and playing Minnesota like that. So you have the capability of doing it. It's just continue to doing it. I mean, that's all it is. It's just consistency. And look, we're in the we're in the Big Ten, where you you can't afford to overlook anyone in Nebraska. What gives Nebraska the right to overlook anyone at this point right now? I mean, you have every head coach in the Big Ten, every assistant in the Big Ten is solid. Like there is no room for overlooking anyone. There's no room for error, especially with a team that is as prone to mistakes and just dumbassery that Nebraska is. Mm-hmm. Like there's we have no right to overlook anybody. I you know? know. Well, and so coming off a loss like to Minnesota where we really honestly were equipped to outplay these guys, how important do you think it is to go into this bye week with Purdue coming up ahead off after their win against Iowa? Um, I mean, you, you gotta rest because I mean, honestly, like, what 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 game are they at? Um, what was that six? They're three and I five think. right now, so it'll be game nine. Okay, I was a few off. My bad, sorry. Um, <laughs> so I mean, you gotta regroup. I mean, obviously injuries. Um, people are sore playing with stuff and whatnot. Um, so it's time to lick your wounds a little bit. Um, uh, establish what you want to do for the second half of the season and whatnot, and, you know, just go out there swing. I mean, it's not, it's not easy to do and uh, people got to be open to it and not necessarily point the finger and point the thumb at themselves. And it takes everybody to do their job as best as they can to get things done. And uh, I mean, you just got to have a clear focus of like, look, whatever happened in the past happened in the past and going forward, you can't make the same mistakes twice. And can you reiterate the importance of a bye week coming off an eight game in a row schedule in the Big Ten? I mean, is it is it a good <sighs> mental and physical break for these guys? Uh, absolutely. Um, eight games into it, week in and week out, you playing a, a physical team. Regardless, you know, even Northwestern is a, is a physical game. We they normally play us good and everything like that. So even the opponents that you necessarily aren't as high up on and you know that's okay maybe this isn't as hard of a, of a game they're still going to get you give a best shot so eight games in a row yeah they, <laughs> it, by by week is crucial um because it's like your, your your bones get to rest your body gets to rest you don't got to necessarily get up and go so i mean they should be relaxing a little bit to where they take uh things down so maybe not having full-blown on padded practices but a lot more mental walkthroughs film stuff recovery stuff so i mean it's 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 very important because you won't last too long if you don't rest well and coming into this week against minnesota um you know you hear that on monday coming off of the michigan game they didn't practice as intense as they did in other for other games and it's just Look, I'm not saying you have to go freaking full bore pads every day or anything like that, but I mean, you blew out Northwestern. You had your backups play. That's like the most ideal thing that could have happened. You know, you, you had the Buffalo and Fordham games where you had comfortable leads and you got backups significant time. I, I hear that narrative a lot, but that teams, you know, they played eight weeks in a row. You know, they just needed that rest. And I think that's part of the, why they came out so flat is that they just weren't mentally ready for this game and i just i'm just a fan sitting here but what the eye test last week against michigan was so solid we watched this team and we go wow it looks like that they belong but then they play this minnesota team everyone picks nebraska to win 
even Vegas, and it's just, they look like they don't belong. And it's just, it's just so up and down, so inconsistent, and they look ragtag and junior high-ish in my eyes. I'm sorry. It, it's just, it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. For the 10th time I've said this. Well, and if we want to go into the weeds a little bit on the game, there's a couple situations where Nebraska had three or, I want to say three or four opportunities to go down and actually punch them in the mouth and take the lead late in the game. Like in the fourth quarter, Nebraska had all the opportunities. Their defense did what they were supposed to do in the second half. They took the ball away twice mm -hmm. from Minnesota. And both time, or all the opportunities that Nebraska had to put points on the board, they came up short. So things like that, it, it's just so exhausting because Scott Frost is an offensive guy. And when your defense is outperforming the offense every single week, what does that tell you? And, and you came from going from a defensive guy in Bo to Mike Riley, who was supposedly an offensive guy. Um, <laughs> can you kind of talk about, you know, as a player, or maybe just even a for, former player, like how does that sit with you when you have a guy who is an offensive guy, you have a four-year starter at quarterback, and you are struggling on the offensive side of the ball? How does it sit with me? Um, everybody has their struggles. Um, nobody's perfect. Um, obviously, they have a plan to implement in games and whatnot, and sometimes, like, you miss. Uh, they have to be more consistent. That's not necessarily anybody's – I'm not blaming one particular person. I mean, it's a whole. Uh, they're a team. They have to get through things together as a team. So not one person can just fix all the woes and everything like that. Um, they weren't the better team. They had opportunities and they missed opportunities. At the end of the day, that's that's what it was. Um, they came out flat. They missed field goals, didn't convert on fourth downs, X, Y, Z, whatever. At the end of the day, you have to do your part. And the parties that are involved aren't all the way doing their part. So, I mean, as a result, they're losing as a team. Um, I'm not putting that all on Frost. I'm not putting that all on the players. It's a combination of both. Um, better execution, better game planning. The de the defense has been most solid. So, I mean, I don't really got too much about them. Anytime you keep your defense out there too much, I mean, obviously they'll get tired and everything like that. So, I mean, that happens. But they, they got to figure out necessarily what uh, they need to do, how they need to gel, what things they do need to – the things that they do do well and continue to do that and impose they, their will. They, they need to have their confidence reestablished because, I mean, you got everybody – Fans included, like how you just said, you're expressing your frustration and everything like that. So, I mean, the kids are frustrated. Nobody likes to lose or whatnot. Um, so, I mean, I, they got to bring the fun back. They got to get the excitement back into things and everything like that. And that starts internally. Um, so they have to figure things out. I don't necessarily know how because I'm not in the building right. um, to say what it is and whatnot and everything like that. But um, they just have to find a common ground, know what they do well. Um, and put the pieces back together. It's a big-ass puzzle, and you just got to figure out what puzzle pieces fit. Of course, everybody wants the, the the puzzle to look perfectly right now and everything like that, but, I mean, it's life. It's football. Shit happens. Um, they just got to go back to the drawing board and figure out how to fix it. Um, they have to play better consistently, and the players have to figure that out. The coaches have to figure that out, um, I mean, and, and that's hard to do. That's hard to do anywhere. I mean, other – uh, programs and everything are having the same type of struggles and woes and everything like that. 
Um, but you got to continue to keep fighting. If it was easy, anybody could do it. So, I mean, um, I believe they have the pieces there. As you can see, when they play better competition, it shows, it flashes. Okay, okay, so how do we continue to make this the norm and this is the regular to what we do and what we see? That's the problem. Um, so, I mean, it, it just it, it's just taking time. And I understand people are frustrated. People want things now. Sometimes things don't happen as fast as you want to. So, I mean, you just got to continue to stand behind them, uh, you know, give them their props, and they'll figure it out. So, as a former player, obviously, from the outside looking in, the biggest well we've had so far this season has been special teams. I think everybody would probably agree with that. But outside <laughs> of special teams, where do you see the biggest room for growth on this team? The biggest room? Yeah, where do, where do you think we can develop uh, much further? Obviously, everybody's eyes are on special teams right now, but I think that's, you know, a relatively small part of it. I think there's a lot of room for growth across all parts of the team. Where do you think we have the most potential that we're not really kind of tapping into? I mean, you could say on all phases, all phases can get better. Obviously, the, the biggest one, like as, as you said, the special teams and whatnot. Um, but, I mean, offensively, um, there could, there, there's, there's been plays – in all of their losses, if you can just literally make three plays, I guarantee you the game will probably be different. So it's just being um, more efficient. Um, when the big plays strike, you make them. You don't necessarily miss them. And I'm not saying everybody misses uh, those type of plays. So, I mean, it, it happens. Um, but just being more consistent and more efficient with that um, sustaining drives, you can do that. Um, that'll keep the defense off. Uh, that'll wear a team down and everything like that. So when you get to the fourth quarter, you can just impose your will and uh, make, make things happen. Nebraska has, has lost a lot um, from players transferring out um, over the years and everything like that. That's no excuse. We have a lot of uh, young players that are getting experience. So, I mean, it takes time to develop and to understand how the flow of the game is going to go. Um, and that's on offense and defense. I think the defense has more people that came back necessarily um, in more, I guess you could say, playmaking positions or more in dominant positions from the D-line linebackers to the secondary. Um, so they're, they're, they're gelling. They're playing together way more because they've played longer together and everything like that. The offense is a little bit younger. Once you go in, in training camp, the first couple of weeks, you, um, defense will obviously – be knocking over the offense for a little bit because it's 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 quicker for the for the defense to gel together. Offense you require timing and a lot more, so it takes time. Um, and it's just taking a little bit more time for the offense to to come together. So I mean, all phases can be uh, better and more equipped and more in tune and everything like that. It just takes time. I'm not gonna pinpoint and say, oh, the offense needs this, the defense needs that, and special teams that. They all need to do better because if they all do better, then they can win more games. So I can't just say point the finger at one in that group is, is being bad and they're the reason why they're doing that. Like, I'm not going to do that. Um, every every uh, every side of the ball can, can be better. Defense can be better. Offense can be better. And special teams can be better. They do that, they win more. And you're, yourself being a skill position player, maybe you can appreciate kind of my perspective um, on this point I'm going to make. First drive, you see, and I'm, I don't mean to make this anti-Brody Belt, but you see Brody Belt out there in the first first possession of the game, okay? I, I said the same thing while the game was going on. I'm like, why in the hell is walk-on Brody Belt from Millard West out there over guys like Omar Manning, Oliver Martin, uh, Xavier, Xavier Bet. Whereas the like, Xavier erasure is just maddening to me. Like, last week, he had one freaking touch 
and it was a botched option, and that's the one chance he gets to touch the ball, and you're putting it, your best, most athletic people in such shitty positions. It, they, like I said, their their offense looks so ragtag. It's just like, oh, let's let's throw this at the wall and see if it's six. Brody Belt, no offense to Brody Belt, but dude, Xavier Betts should be playing above Brody Belt. Omar Manning should be playing above Brody Belt. So have you ever maybe thought of it may be outside of things, outside of football that puts those people in the position like that? Sure. That Frost doesn't come out and say. There are a lot of things behind the scene that goes on that he don't or that teams won't address or say out in the media and everything like that. And it's some type of form of punishment. Now, sometimes he does. Sometimes he doesn't. But, I mean, he doesn't necessarily have to. But you never know uh, why sometimes the players necessarily get put in that position. You don't know what was said, what was done during the week or um, for some type of reason that Frost maybe has not come out and said. So, I mean, you can be frustrated. You can be mad and everything like that. You may not. It's, it may be some type of reason that you're not getting. You can't necessarily speculate because it's some type of form of punishment or whatever. And I've known, I think the best kid got in trouble like early on in the season and wasn't playing or had, or was suspended a half or something like that. So it's like you you don't really you can't really say that he did something else again to land him there, and you can't really say that uh, he should be out there when you don't know like the full story of of things. I absolutely can see that point. I obviously don't see practices, but here's where I would push back: is you have a guy like Xavier that whenever he does touch the ball, he makes plays, right? Black track. and and then he's just taken out. So either play him or don't. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> It just feels like it just feels like they give him glimpses, and so are you trying to prove a point as a coach? Like, are you punishing him? Because if you are, then don't play him at all. Because every time you do, like the dude had one catch for twenty-seven yards last week, this past week, and it's just like he's obviously making plays for you. So if you're trying to prove a point as a coach, and you're trying to instill discipline, then don't play him at all. You know, he's he's showing all these these glimpses of greatness. It's just. If he's going to help you win games, then play him. Well, and to piggyback on that, too, it's like, okay, this kid is a local kid from Bellevue, Nebraska. You don't see the talent like, like he has very often from this Metro. And the fact that the Omaha Metro has been putting out these athletes, and he came to Nebraska as a top 100 recruit. And like, like Jared said, he's been showing a lot of glimpses of greatness. Every time and you give him a chance, he does something. It's just it's very frustrating as a fan to see guys – that are performing very well and then just not see them in the starting lineup or in key situations like the games on the line against Minnesota. And where is Xavier Betts standing next to Scott Frost? Why, why is Xavier Betts standing next to Scott Frost when the game is on the line, you need your best players out there. And he played throughout the game. So piggybacking what you're saying, it's like, okay, yeah. If, if it's a discipline thing, don't let him play at all. But or I mean, it's mixed just, messages to me. It's yeah, yeah. It's, it's just confusing. I, and and for our listeners, I mean, maybe you have some better clarity on that, Demarne. Just being in locker rooms and stuff like that. I'm sure you've seen situations like this, but it's it's just head scratching to me. Um, like I said, I don't I don't necessarily. I'm I'm not gonna assume. I'm not gonna guess. Uh, I don't necessarily know what the reason is or or why there's a method to the madness. I guess. Um, I get what you're saying. I, like I understand. Like I get the frustration and everything like that. But again, it's for some odd reason, 
of something that we don't know that Scott maybe does is on is honestly the thing that I can come up with. Like I said, I haven't really been paying too much attention to those things and whatnot. And like I said, I know early on he did have a discipl- disciplinary reasons for for being punished or whatnot. And it may be just uh, just of, of a scheme of things. I, I get you saying you want your best players in there la- uh, in the last seconds or whatnot. I don't know. Uh, I don't necessarily know what the game plan was on that. So I can't speak on that. Um, it's just he has a reason to why he does things, and only he can answer that. I can't, I can't answer that for you. I don't – I'm not in the locker room for necessarily that reason, so people could come to me and ask what specific things have I heard or seen and everything like that. That's why I don't really – be down there necessarily too much or check back in um, that deeply into stuff because I get asked these type of questions all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the- <laughs> so, I yeah, no, you're not, I'm not, you're not using media to find some backdoor. Nope. Uh, I don't know it. <laughs> okay. So like, let's just get your kind of uh, general outlook maybe on like these, these next couple of games, like the end of the season, right? I mean, we got, Purdue up next, then we got Ohio State, um, then was at Wisconsin, and then Iowa. So, I mean, okay. do you have do you have a general outlook of what you're expecting from this team? You know, we look at Purdue, and at the beginning of the year, we said automatic dub, <laughs> um, probably not so, and especially they're them coming off a beatdown of Iowa, um, number two Iowa on the road. Not so much as a of a dub that we thought at the beginning of the year. Certainly so, not a safe. No, not safe at all. <laughs> but do you do you have like a general expectation for this particular team this year? What do you, what are you thinking? Uh, I'm hoping to see more consistency, a complete game, the will to finish. Um, it, sometimes it looks like uh, when things happen and things don't go their way, like the team kind of divides the offense will go one way and the defense will kind of like step up and like, nah, like, we'll like they continue to fight. I don't see like a, a, a full fight on in, in all things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so looking hopefully to see like them, regardless if they're going down, they still go still going down swinging, regardless if they're up, they're still up swinging. Um, go for the jugular. It doesn't matter. I mean, why not? For them to play, um, enjoy stuff, um, they've had a lot of critics. They've had a lot of trash talking, people talking about them like, man, push, push that out um, and just just focus on the people that are in the locker room, the, pe- the people that are behind them on a daily basis that show that it's still love and everything like that, um, to go out there and just give it your best shot. Um I th- I think they'll get it and everything like that. Is it is it's it's literally it, it 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 it's been right there and it's just haven't gotten over the hump. So hopefully finding a way to how to get over that hump and continue to get over it and to where that hump isn't necessarily blocking them or the reason why that they are in struggles anymore and anything like that. That that's what I hope for the rest of the season. Yeah, to tune us out, please. Hey, guys on the Nebraska team, don't listen. Listen, uh, we talk smack through microphones. Don't listen to us. Yeah, 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 yeah better than me because when I was back in college, I didn't have a problem with, with talking back to any of y'all. So <laughs> anybody say anything to me, I had no problem saying anything. So, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah but you were – It is. 
You were also a dude who uh, who did what he had to do most of the time. You know what I mean? I don't know. Excellent. Maybe I'm wrong, but I felt like you were a pretty good player who did what he had to do most weeks. <laughs> He's like, I don't uh, want to yeah, toot my own. Okay. Or not. I saw that look. <laughs> I, I saw that look. Pre- pre- preparation is key. Like I said, I mean, dudes just got to get a routine. They got to stick to it. The coaches and, and everything is just get, get back, get a confidence, get a swagger back. And go out there and, and remember, regardless of whatever happens and everything like that, they're still stuck together. And and swing for the juggler. Fuck it. Fuck it. I love it. I love it. Oh, yeah. Okay, so let's let's shift to DeMornay now, all right? You. So before <laughs> the last time you were on our show, you were oh, a shit. free agent. <laughs> and now... Uh-huh. And wait, we're not getting anything too crazy. But uh, now you are playing for the Denver Broncos. Um, uh-huh. can you talk about the process, talk about, you know, how that's going for you? You know, what, are, what is the mentality going into now that you are on a roster to, to stay on a roster and to contribute for an NFL team? Um, I mean, it's been good. It's an opportunity. I mean, I could be doing something completely different, but yeah, I'm still, you know, playing a game that I love and whatnot. So, I mean, I, it's a, somebody has it worse than me. So, I mean, I'm, I'm just thankful for the opportunity and be in the situation that I am. Can't take things for granted. Um, Denver's cool. It's not bad. Uh, it's not Vegas. Vegas was different. I'm still trying to figure out, you know, uh, things out here. But I mean, I like it. Um, the team is a good team. The, the coach, uh, he's a good, he's a good dude. Um, so I mean, it's just sticking to things. Uh, and the plan for the, the rest of this year is hopefully get some returns in, get some uh, action and whatnot, and uh, continue to establish myself and. Uh, show who, who I can be as a player. Um, I mean, that just that's just patience, and pretty much when I get the opportunity, don't look back at the opportunity. So um, it's just making sure that I'm I'm ready mentally and physically uh, needed whenever whenever that that phone call happens. As you adapt to Denver, what has been one of the most uh, exciting or interesting things that you've kind of got to encounter, kind of going through this process? One of the most exciting things that I got to encounter. Um, the, the, the way of the team, like, uh, they're all, they're a bunch of cool dudes. Um, they're, they're different. They, they gel together. There are different type of outings week in and week out. You get to meet D linemen that you don't necessarily like know. I mean, you know them, but you don't like really know them. Like they're, um, a cohesive unit. Um, everybody is cool for the most part with everybody and whatnot. Bond has things going on and everybody headed to charity events um, as such things. Um, we got Teddy that puts together uh, things and whatnot week in and week out. Justin puts on uh, things and whatnot. So, I mean, it's just getting getting around those, uh, I guess you could say, those, those, the bigger names in the NFL. I mean, just kicking it with them, being cool and whatnot. Um, and I mean, you you never know like the people that they know that um, that you could come across and uh, network and things like that. So that that that's probably been one of the uh, cooler things I'd say. Well, and obviously uh, Von Miller being one of the best players in the NFL, it's probably been pretty cool to be a, be around him and Hall of Famer, baby. Yeah, I mean, learn learn from him and you know approach the game. Oh, he's, a, a uh, He's a he, he's a he's a fun guy. He uh, keeps you on his toes. You gotta watch out for him in practice because uh, I don't know where he'll chase you down or try and hit you or something. So every now and then you gotta be on the lookout for him. But I mean, he he, he he's a, he's a cool dude. He's a big old 
class clown type type of guy, but he comes ready to uh, day in and day out. And uh, I mean, he he gets and sees all like the little things and whatnot. So he, he's a good dude. I don't have anything bad to say about Vaughn. So if you're in the open field, DeMornay versus Vaughn Miller, who's who's is he going to tackle you or not? <laughs> I'm always choosing me, so don't, I don't even know why you ask that. I don't care. I love I'm that. I'm love that answer. What are you, an idiot? <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. So Vaughn's our next guest. okay okay so let's let's shift uh before before we go if uh if trev alberts gives you a call and says hey we want you to be the special teams coordinator at nebraska Mm -hmm. in the next coming years uh which flight are you on yeah (laughs) (laughs) hold on hold on on. what was your what you said in the next how do you answer that in the next couple of years, like, well, what do you mean? Like, because I plan to play football for a while. So what is the next? Okay. okay. Well, there's no reason you can't do both. <laughs> yeah, there is. You're a hard working dude. Uh, I, I would think so. I mean, I don't think I can really be at two places in one time uh, with coaching, being at practice and being at a pro practice. Mm. So I think that's a bit of a conflict. You know, Nebraska is already... <laughs> Nebraska has already gone gone through, you know, somebody who was there kind of half of the time and there and then the other half, like not really there. So been there, done it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think that fits kind of into the, you know, the box of things, the scheme of things. Yeah. Mike, we've already tried a a zoom coach. Didn't exactly, (laughs) (laughs) you know? Okay. Well, I, I think, I mean, honestly, is there anything else you guys want to talk about? You ever talk to uh, Noah Fant about, you know, being a Nebraska boy going to Iowa? I think you played against him. It's a a couple of Iowa uh, people in there. Josie Jewel, I talk shit to him Mm -hmm. all the time. Uh, What is it? Sean. uh, He's a title. I can't remember his last name. I talk shit to Sean every week. Here and there, no, no, me and Noah hasn't really like got hasn't gotten necessarily like to the whole Nebraska Iowa thing. He's cool, but yeah, man, uh, Josie's on defense, and uh, he was definitely at the uh, 2014 game, so I definitely remind him of that plenty of times. Um, so I mean, yeah, not you, right? you. Don't kick it to you. Dude, why? Why did they make Tommy don't punt. Don't punt. So, the, so we got to start calling this Iowa game. It's not the Bo Pelini curse. It's not. It is the Demorne Pearsonell curse because mm. we haven't won since you re- returned that punt. You got to strap him up one more time. <laughs> you got another year of eligibility. You got to, got to do something. I, I, wish, I wish I did. <laughs> hey, so think about this. Here's a fun stat for you. Going into Minnesota, we had eight games or seven games. Sorry, seven games, and we had eight punt yards total in seven games. Wow. That's terrible. Isn't that crazy? It's like a yard like, game. You you got that when you didn't have any space, and you're just like, oh well, oh well, you know, we'll try again next next play. That's Seven games, eight yards. Yeah, that's bad. I didn't know that's that. Oh, you about to make me uh-huh. throw up. Uh-huh. <laughs> Why you got to break his heart like that? Oh, I mean, yeah, you just we, just, we haven't had a good punt returner in a long time. So that's, a, that's why I asked the special teams thing. I'm like, what we're saying is we miss you. Yeah. Good we, morning. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, and so by the way, we're recording here today at Nebraska Brewing Company. I don't know if you've ever been here before at the tap room nope. here. Hey, DeMornay, we just want to thank you again for joining the No Block No Rock podcast <laughs> from Denver. You're awesome, man. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks, <laughs> thanks for having us, man. We want to thank DeMornay Pearsonell once again for joining us. Um, he wasn't able to really get too in-depth with Minnesota, but it was nice to get his perspective on some things. Um, we did mention that we, were, that we are recording in the Nebraska 
Brewing Company Tap Room. The man to my right is Connor Kevlak. And we just want to thank Connor for not, il- not only hosting us, but joining us to ask some questions to De Mornay. And uh, it- it's nice to get you on and yeah. get-, 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 get your voice in this thing. He- yeah. He's officially uh, part of NBNR. He, he joined an episode. <laughs> he-, he came on as a sneak peek one time. Now he did a full episode with De Mornay Pierce now. Your so- family. So- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I-, I-, I appreciate it. Don't laugh. Oh, yeah. Serious. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are, you, what are you drinking right there? What is that? Oh, I'm drinking our Pilsner. Uh, anybody okay. who knows me here is going to know just immediately that that's what I'm drinking. Okay. But it is super cool to be able to, uh, like, like we were talking earlier, combine our loves for beer and sports because realistically that's all I want to do. Um, yeah. But I, I appreciate being able to come on, especially on a really cool episode where we get a talk with the Morning Pierce now. Uh, it's a great dude. And yeah. I'm going to bother you into making or letting me do this every week now. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, you've made a huge mistake. <laughs> so he's the full-time fill-in now for yeah. uh, MBNR. Well, and, and the good part about having a guest like DeMorne on our show is, you know, we just came off a heartbreaking loss to Minnesota where we underperformed. Was that the and, good part? Well, <laughs> it, it's good to have DeMorne on. And, you know, going into a bye week, it, it soothes the blow a little bit because we have essentially two weeks of just nothing to talk about besides all the negative things going on with this program. So right. having somebody else come on that has lived it, breathed it, all that stuff, it, it just makes me feel a little bit better. And hopefully our listeners enjoy um, listening to some of our former players come on our show. Yeah. Look, we're we're gonna be we're gonna be negative, especially it's three we're three and five. They lost a game that they should have won. I mean, there's no doubt that they should have won that game at Minnesota. Well, absolutely. So so yeah. Uh, I think having DeMornay on, you know, while I did go on a little bit of a spirited, heated not really a rant, but just a conversation, just some points. It was yeah. a good point. I mean, and it's honestly good hearing the insight from a guy that's probably seen that, you know, in his playing days is no doubt. Hey, you know, like this guy's very talented, but he can't stay out of trouble or, you know, he's not going to class, you know, like just different things. We don't know what's going on with Xavier Betts and why we're only seeing him sporadically and not full time. But, you know, like you said, and like we've been saying, it's like, the guy's talented. You have to put the ball in his hands. There's, there's a reason that he was such a highly touted recruit coming in here. Mm-hmm. And especially a kid that stayed home and went to Nebraska. You know, he didn't have to do that. And you're, you're seeing a lot of local talent here from the Metro leaving the state. And so this is, this is like what we're talking about, where it's like you got to keep kids in the state, especially kids of his caliber. Especially so, top 100. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's top 100 recruit. Come on, you got to close, right? You got, you got to let him play more. Like you said, he had one catch for 27 yards or something. And yeah, you, you see the glimpses every time he touches the ball. So I just don't understand why. If Just put the best players on the field at all the times. Okay, and like, here's I, my big thing. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but I just I have this on my, in my head right now. You knew coming in when you were recruiting Xavier that you weren't going to get a guy that's going to have a 4.0 GPA, blah, blah, blah. Like, he had his issues coming in, okay? And so... I just feel like you're playing tug of war with him. Oh, uh, let's throw him a 50-yard bomb. Oh, he'll catch it at OU. And, you know, then we'll give him one touch 
that's a botched option play. And that's the only time he touches the ball. And it's just, you're playing tug of war with him. And I, I just fear that he's, he might look elsewhere after this year. Well, especially well, sad. Especially with the one-time transfer rule, too. It's yeah, man. You know, it it's very easy for a player of his caliber to say, "Hey, you know, I'm just I'm not enjoying what I'm seeing." He's dispirited. You have to be dispirited, man, don't you? Oh, absolutely. And I think when we talked briefly about maybe this is a punishment type deal, uh, maybe this there is some behind-the-scenes stuff going on. But at what point, if you're Scott Frost, do you have to let that go because you are looking at you know? The, the fan base, like you said, is dispirited, you know, a little bit disheartened, and we need wins. At what point, if, if this is something that's going on behind the scenes, at what point do you just let it go and say, we've got to win and get this man the ball? So, and it's funny you say that because the perfect example and, you know, an example that has been very popular on our show is Maurice Washington, a guy that is uber talented, that played, that probably shouldn't have played. And if it was disciplinary... He probably shouldn't have played, but he Scott Frost stuck with him and played him because he was the best player available. So not comparing his case to Xavier's at all, right? No. Not even the slightest. No. But you got to be consistent. If if you're gonna play the best players available, play the best the, players available. Yeah, play the best players available. Play the guys that give you the best chance to win. You're coaching for your job. You know, like you keep saying to the media that you love this and you the fans deserve it and all this other bullshit. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, you're not putting the product on the field. So, and it just hurts as a Nebraska fan. And I I do want to give a quick shout out. So I watched the game. I I put some tweets out there for you guys. I watched the game in Phoenix, Arizona. Mm. Uh, I watched it at Clancy's pub. There is some here in Omaha and um, talked to the owner and stuff. Awesome family. Um, I spent some time golfing with, uh, Jamie Burrington, Chancellor Burrington's father. Nice. That was a great time as well. So I just wanted to give a quick shout out to those guys. But, you know, watching the game in a different state and still seeing that passion that these fans have. And that's, that's, that hurts even more because it's like, okay, you're losing these games that you should win. Mm-hmm. And we're not just talking about the state of Nebraska. You're talking about fans that are in Arizona. They're everywhere in the country. Yeah. And to put that type of product on the field and not get your best players involved, it just it cuts a little bit deeper, especially seeing it firsthand now, going and watching a game in Arizona and seeing the passion. And it was just like I was in Lincoln watching the game because all these fans are just, just as passionate as you and I. So that kind of stuff, it just irks me a little bit. And I think Scott Frost, he has four games. He's going to be coaching for his job these next four games. Yes, he is. Look, and just adding to your point, you went to Phoenix, but... Dude, you can go back to this Michigan game at home. What other program would have a, the fan support like like we saw versus Michigan, regardless of how shitty the team has been? There is no, there's literally no other program in the United States of America that would draw that many fans, that level of enthusiasm. Like, you're right, man. There, he is coaching for his job, and anyone that, that says, oh, if it's not him, no one else can do it. You're wrong. Come on, dude. And I, I could throw out all these, these statistics about how crappy Scott has been against Power 5 teams. Pre, I'm not going to say that I would do better because you know I would suck, but any coach <laughs> that is breathing right now would do better than Scott is doing. I'm sorry, but 
with with the level of fan support that that this new coach would have, I mean, I think I think that alone would help soothe the waters of maybe we just need to move on from this guy. I'm sorry. So I, I'm not going to say this with Demornet because he, you know, I don't think he's going to agree or whatever. But at I, what point do you say this is enough, dude? We've seen enough. I have to disagree. I think we've seen over, I mean, not necessarily over Scott's entire tenure. Obviously, there's been some really tough times. But I think over the last year and a half or so, we have seen some really true strides in development as far as talent goes and as far as discipline goes. I mean, we're seeing less penalties. I mean, not, you know, there's obviously still room for improvement. But we're seeing some significant strides in the team itself. And while results aren't quite where we want them, I mean, we look at it is the, uh, the, the meme tweet of the week is always Nebraska is at this point five plays away from being the only 8-0 team in the country. We are competing with everybody that we're playing. There are teams, obviously, again, like Minnesota that we should be beating and beating handily. But even when you put us against Michigan State and Oklahoma and Michigan, we're still right in that game. So I don't think Frost is quite necessarily coaching for his job yet. I think he finishes a season and then next season he coaches for his job, but I don't think we can really write him off quite yet because we are seeing his improvements. Well, and I think your take is it, it sits well with me because I, I totally agree with you. You know, usually Kyle's my guy that we're, we're usually the sugar pumpers. I, and, I don't agree. And, and Jared, Jared and Eric usually are the, uh, ones, realist. <laughs> the realist, for the, <laughs> the more realist. We're all realists uh, here, but I, you know, we all came into this game this week and, and assumed that Nebraska needed to win this game and, and should win this game. And, Absolutely. and we're sitting here today and we didn't win this game. We didn't look like we should win this game at all during the game. I mean, there were, we had multiple opportunities, like, and we were talking about this with DeMornay. We had multiple opportunities to put the ball in the end zone and we never did. And when you come from an offensive minded coach like Scott Frost, and when the defense, who did not show up in the first half, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say they were, that they played their asses off they like terrible. they've been playing. They were awful in the first half, but they showed up and they played well enough in the second half to win the game. They got you two takeaways, mm-hmm. and that type of stuff. When you have a team with an offensive-minded coach, and you're still struggling on offense, it it's red flags. I I totally agree with Connor though. I think as long as Scott Frost can salvage. Five wins, maybe. I think it's going to be a full rebuild on the staff. Like the whole offensive staff is going to be washed and cleaned out. I mean, don't get me wrong, but I think I think he'll be back next year. Now, with this all saying, I'm going to pump some positivity back in this pod because that's what I do. That's why I'm here. We have four games left. Mm-hmm. If Nebraska can beat teams, they're not supposed to win. I looked at, there's this stat that we saw, okay, we're supposed to beat Purdue. Now, after seeing them, you know, dismantle Iowa, I still feel okay about the Purdue game. I, we've been saying it all year that Iowa is, they have the worst offense I've ever fucking seen and the great, the best defense in the country. So eventually it was going to catch up with them and it did. Sure. Now, if you move on to, you know, Wisconsin, kind of like what Jared said, you know, until we beat them, you can't put that down as a win, but Graham Mertz is a fraud though. I mean, and I totally agree. I think they're very similar to Iowa where they have very under, you know, below average quarterback. Tanner Morgan has been a fraud all year until he came out in that first half and he looked 
He looked Tom Great. Brady, yeah, but that Super time. Bowl. But he Chris, set the record, the school record for consecutive completions. Like, sure, but Graham Mertz is having like a, literally a historically bad season for D one football. Well, Spencer Petrus is really bad as well. It, it's just one of those things. Minnesota, Wisconsin, Purdue. I'd say all three of those quarterbacks. They're all winnable games. If you put the quarterback against the one that you have on the field, despite what Adrian did this week, because I don't... I, we said the same thing. Yeah. Adrian is better than Tanner Morgan. He's better than but Tanner Morgan. But he wasn't that day. Yeah, he just... Yeah, winning. It's day-to-day. It, it's, it's tough. And he and, took the L. Another loss. Yeah. Another it, one. He just doesn't have that winning mentality. The go get it. Go get... You know, it's like if he doesn't have that Lamar Jackson. Like, hey, Ooh, yeah. do you want to go for it? Do you want to go win the game? Oh, well, I, I think Demone said it earlier is that this team really doesn't have the killer instinct they should have at this point because we do have the talent and we are getting that discipline, but the killer instinct seems to be lacking. And I think once they find that, this team is really a force to be reckoned with. We just but haven't got how, there yet. How long have we been saying that, though? Well, we can say well, gotta, they got to find that instinct. They have to learn how to win. They have to get the breaks. Well, dude, you got you won the turnover margin yet uh, on Saturday, oh. two to nothing, and you just... Uh, I guess that just wasn't enough. That just I, wasn't good enough. I, I don't think the, the get your breaks argument still lasts. I mean, like you said, we've gotten those breaks, but right. w- when they get into those zones, they kind of sit there and falter and they're not ready to go in there and kill. And that, I think that's their biggest problem is they have this go get them attitude until it comes down to crunch time. And then they just get kind of scared. Um, yeah. yeah. I, th- I think they get in their heads and they're like, yeah, things are going good. What do we I'm do? not used to this. Yeah, we're not ready for it. Uh, so at what point does that – look, I'll just be straight up front. I don't think it's going to happen with the staff. You can talk about Scott Frost and needing to clean out the offensive coordinator and the running backs coach or whoever. What assistant in the nation is going to look at Scott Frost and go, hey, I want to hitch my wagon to that dude who basically – is gone. Like what assistant is out there? What noteworthy assistant worth his salt is going to look at Scott Frost and go, I want to work for that guy right now. I just don't think there are any assistants out there that'll do that. But I mean, I, I don't think you can walk both sides of the, of the road okay. on that though. What, Cause, what are, cause, what? Cause you, you're one to say that who's like, who else would take this job if Scott Frost isn't the guy. Okay. But on I the think flip the side, head guys and assistants said, are different. Yeah, you head guys said, and assistants are different, though. But, I, I, but not I think really. With the, with the no? turnover that we've had in this head coaching position, I mean, what respectable head coach is going to say, look, you get oh. three seasons or four seasons over here, and if you don't produce, coming into a losing program, if you don't produce in three to four years, you're gone. Here, here's but, what you would do. If you're, if you're Trev or whoever is making the hire, you go up to your, the guy that you want, and you show him tape of this team playing like a bunch of misfits uh, dudes who make stupid decisions, and you go, we, we supposedly bring in the talent. We bring in top 20 recruiting every year, and yet the coaching, it's the coaching that has been holding us back. Can you be the guy to take these top 20 recruiting classes and turn them into, can we at least win a Power 5 game, for God's sake? Any, any coach that is worth his salt would look at this squad and go, I can make them better. That's my opinion. But going back to the assistant coaches thing, Nebraska has more money than, you know, money. Most to programs. Okay, yeah. okay but if they're most just going to get, they're just, but they're just going to get, but we're the most you valuable in, brand in the country. But you come into this situation knowing okay, so what's at hand. You, 
you come into this situation, you're going to get paid happily. Now, yes. now one thing that you could talk about, and I totally agree with this is okay. Scott Frost is still the play caller with the next offensive coordinator that comes in here will be calling the plays. The next offensive line coach will be in charge of everything that is going on on that offensive line, running backs, all that stuff. So if you scrap those guys, Greg Austin, probably the first one to go. O line has right. not played up to par at all. Mm-hmm. Lubick, we, we from the get go have questioned what his role is. If he doesn't call the plays in your offensive coordinator, it's very Eric Bienemy like. No offense to Chiefs fans out oh, there, Eric. but it, it's one of those things. It's like, okay, if the head coach is calling all the plays and is in charge of all the offensive game plan, then what, is, what do you do as an offensive coordinator? And I am on. You're a lame duck. Well, I, I and I'm on Lubick's side on this. Okay, if, if you're the offensive coordinator, you're going to hire me to execute the offense at a high level, and that gives you more opportunities to focus on other things, a la special teams. So yeah. I think if Lubick gets thrown another bus, which I don't know if he'll be the, guy, the fall guy, I think it's going to be more Greg Austin, maybe Ryan Held. We'll yeah. see, which really sucks because both those guys are Nebraska guys. But if you're not getting it done. But if you're not doing your job, everybody – has a breaking point where they will lose their job if you're not doing your job. Okay, now, the, the point that I want to make, Connor, you just said, like, both of you guys just said we have a, a crap ton of money. Connor, you said that we have the best brand, right? We are, and as so, far as NAL goes, we are the most valuable ba- brand okay, in the country, just the, above Alabama, I believe. And you were just telling me what guy would want to come here. And so, like, that would be one of my arguments, is you'll be able to pay this guy out the butt and you have the most valuable brain in college football. So uh, to, I guess my, my biggest part to this is, do you think the administration is ready? We just came out of what, like an eight-year span of paying former head coaches. And now we're mm-hmm. finally into an era where we're not doing that for coaches that are not actually coaching for us. Do you think the administration is ready to go back into an era like that where we demand instant success while paying high dollar and letting these guys go so okay. frequently? Yeah, let me ask you this. Are we a blue blood program? Absolutely. Yes. When is when has that ever been an issue for any other blue blood program? Is buyouts and paying money? That's never it's every not an every blue blood program has, goes. If it doesn't work within four years at it. most, burn it. Yeah, bye bye. Well, but how often LSU? We see, I mean, LSU. How Edward often do we see prolonged periods of just absolute? I mean, I I, I don't want to be the negative guy again, but no, like, I'm how the often negative do we guy. see prolonged periods of failure like we have seen for Nebraska football? So how long with do we other put up blue blood programs? I mean, we, we've done this with what? Uh, I mean, since Polini, and uh, you know, I'll be that guy to say firing Polini was a mistake. Eh. Disagree with me all you'd like. Eh. Uh, but, I mean, since Polini, ha- we had what? One year with Mike Riley where we started the season 7-0. and Right. Other than that, we have had absolute mediocrity. Mm-hmm. Are we really willing to continue this? I think we're starting to actually see something building with Frost. Are we ready to just write this off right now and move on uh, to another cup? I just, I just, I think... These past three weeks where you saw like good play, I think those three three games were outliers, and I think everything else was what they are. I think those three games is like the peak is of what you're going to see with this squad with this regime. And I, I think you have four years of evidence and then three games tucked in there where they look okay. But here's the thing in those three games where they looked okay, they were still shitting down their leg when it counted and i just i just feel like those those were outliers you look at the four years other than that 
you've seen enough. But look at, I mean, obviously, we look back at, you know, Adrian Martinez, you know, the year that he came out as a Heisman favorite, was that two years ago? Uh, and obviously yeah. squandered it, and that was, that was awful. And, you know, but we, we've seen how Adrian has kind of developed, and he's actually throwing off his front foot. He's not always trying to throw on the run anymore, which has been fantastic. Uh, but we also look at some of these recruits that are coming in, like Fidon, and all these, these tight end recruits, these receiver recruits, Toure coming in for – but you, you, you see this talent that is coming, and we are seeing actual real development. And I think during the Mike Riley area and the early Frost era, we didn't see that. And so we are seeing real growth. And, you know, while it might be slow, I don't think it's the, the right idea to get on board and just burn it to the ground just yet. I mean, it's I really think, slow. It's, well, I, I think I mean, you've got to let them at least get through this season and give them yeah. at least a partial in the next season. Sure. Well, to, uh, but I, I think getting like saying that he's coaching for his job right now, I think is a little bit, you know, you know, jumping the gun. Well, I, I would disagree with that, but I also don't want to go into the weeds on this too much because we no, saw let's it. get in the weeds. We, yeah, we're, we're already in the weeds. We're, in the weeds. <laughs> we're already, but we're also, you know, an hour in. I, I'm not trying to. <laughs> Here's my thing, and we've been saying this since it, since it goes. Scott Frost has to put a good product on the field. We yes. lost to a less superior team on Saturday. We lost to Illinois. Same, same type of loss. It felt so familiar, it hurt. Mm-hmm. My thing is we can argue until our faces turn blue if, if it's going to be the staff, it's, if it's going to be the head coach. At the end of the day, if Nebraska doesn't make a bowl game, I think it is the inevitable. Staff changes will happen. Let's just sign off. Yeah, let's, let's, just let's sign, sign off and uh, give a quick sh- shout-out. Thanks again, DeMornay, for coming on the show. Um, Husker Nation loves you. If you guys don't already follow him on Twitter, which is, would be shocking to me, uh, it's don't punt don't underscore punt. 15. Visit our website, nbnrpodcast.com. We have all the past episodes on there. We're on Spotify, Apple Music. Apple Podcast. Apple Podcast. Damn it. Okay, Just Google. We're on Google. Um, yeah. Give us a five-star review. Give us a, a download and a listen. I'm one of your hosts, Jared Hall. Mike Delaware. Connor Cadillac. And as always, win the bye week. You can't lose this week in GBR. Woo! Woo!